Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and as always, you can find us on social media by searching Medium Cool Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram and we'll pop up and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Also, like, subscribe, follow wherever you're listening to us. Make sure you do the thing so that you can keep up with all things Medium Cool and... If you feel so inclined, please leave us a rating or review. It really helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate you and all that you do. Now, all of that said, I'm going to be having a conversation with Joe Shearer here in a few minutes, uh, and we're going to be talking about the two new... What in the world are words that I just didn't say? Um, Anyways, two 2022 horror movies, David Bruckner's Hellraiser and David Gordon Green's Halloween ends these are both uh within the last couple of weeks have come out uh, halloween was last friday hellraiser was two fridays ago and uh i was looking forward to both of these actually i was actually pretty excited uh, for these to come out first off it was going to be perfect timing uh for the podcast for us to cover these we we're going to do hellraiser last week but then i got rocky gray to agree to do it then so uh, it ended up working out really well And so we're going to do Hellraiser and Halloween Ends today. Um, And uh, also, I'm going to be gone for a conference in Portland, Oregon next week. Uh, I'm going to try to do a solo show. I may have to skip a week because I'll be out of town. Uh, So I'll definitely um, let you guys know somehow. But just a heads up. Um, you know, if I if I do an episode, it'll probably be a solo episode. And I'll probably focus on a horror movie, but I am going to literally be gone from my house from Friday on until the following Thursday. So um, I will have to do it, you know, in the next couple of days if I do an episode. So it all depends on whether I have the time to actually get an episode for next week. Uh, otherwise, I may just try to, you know, throw up an older episode and do like a do a little re. A, a, a repost or whatever I don't know but just a heads up for you folks uh, so anyways I don't really want to talk a whole long time I don't have a whole lot to say I'd rather be talking about Hellraiser and Halloween ends so let's go see what Joe's up to alright we have a Hellraiser 2022 are you ready for this Joe? let's do it man alright uh, oh, Joe's here, by the way. Uh, directed by uh, David Bruckner, who also directed The Ritual and Nighthouse, for those who have uh, seen those. Written by Ben Collins, Luke Piatra. Oh, God. I, you know, I've been practicing this name, Joe, <laughs> and I nailed it every time. And then this is the time I don't. Luke Piotrowski and then David S. Goyer, who's the most probably the most famous writer of the, of the bunch there. Uh, cast is uh, Odessa uh, Azion. I, I, I was listening to an interview or like a, a thing and someone pronounced it Odessa Azion. Okay. And that sounded great. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, but it's like really easy and it flows. So I'm just going with it. Jamie Clayton is also in it. Mm-hmm. Adam Faison, uh, Drew Starkey, and Brandon Flynn. The release date was October 7th. That was two Fridays ago. Mm-hmm. And it's streaming on Hulu. And this reimagining of the original Hellraiser by Clive Barker is about a young woman struggling with addiction who comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box. Shocking. Unaware that it uh, its purpose is to summon the Cenobites, a group of sadistic supernatural beings from another dimension. In this reimagining of Clive Barker's original franchise, director David Bruckner sticks to the fundamental tone and theme of 
of Barker's 1987 original, the flawed main characters, innocent bystanders being harmed, Cenobites, etc. But the film also goes further by embracing representation within the queer community, yeah. building off of uh, some of the notes Barker played with uh, in the originals, uh, being a gay man himself. But Bruckner hired a trans woman to play the Hell Priest Pinhead, for one example, which is interesting. Uh, though this film feels significantly less S&M leathery, Joe, uh, <laughs> it does follow a similar code. Characters fucking with shit they don't understand and paying for it dearly. Now, I love Hellraiser 87. I think we've talked about this before. Big fan. We actually just watched it a couple days ago. I have the Arrow video Blu-ray. We, mm -hmm. I had not seen that yet. She wanted to watch the original before we watched this. Mm -hmm. So we put it in. I forgot all the best parts. Like, I thought I was just like a mild Hellraiser fan. Yeah. And then I watched that and I was like, dude, I love this movie. Not like one of my top tens or anything, but I, I really, really like it. So anyways, uh, I love Hellraiser 87 and the two films, uh, this new reimagining and the 87 version are by no means even close to being a one to one remake situation. OK, mm -hmm. which uh, is why I and many, many others have considered it a reimagining. Now, that said. In his review for the Midwest Film Journal, our mutual friend and friend of the show, Sam the Movie Man Watermeyer, said, Unfortunately, the Hulu reimagining of the film focuses on the iconic imagery while delivering a dull, razor-thin story that fades into the background. At times, it shows promise of being a timely, thoughtful update, but the revelation of its potential feels like too little, too late. Now, on the other hand, though I think Sam is right with the dull razor thin story part. Mm -hmm. uh, I would argue the performances, namely Odessa Asian's uh, Jamie Clayton's pinhead and the overall visual tone uh, of the film, as well as the score kept this from being just another horror movie that comes out and it stands above most of the drivel that's released these days. But where do you fit in though, Joe, do you think that the highlight of this new Hellraiser is just that it's a dull, razor-thin story? Or do you think it has its own merits? Uh, well, I guess the answer is a little bit of both. Um, I, I probably overall lean a little closer to Sam's side of it, um, that it just kind of, as a whole, didn't work. I really liked that. I, I should say I love the attempt to go... Uh, you know, using substance abuse as kind of the, you know, the, the underlying metaphor for, for all of it. Um, you know, and I was, I was going along as the movie was going along, I was like, you know, at first, of course, you know, I, I knew almost nothing about this going in, you know, I, I've seen, I saw the original, I think I saw the first three. Um, yeah. And I was, I would say, I wouldn't say I hated them, but they were never my favorite. I, I you know, I, I enjoyed them for just kind of the weird, perversity you know and and just the the crazy themes that it went to and the you know the extremes that it goes to of you know essentially skinning someone and letting them be alive and you know um i appreciate just the craziness of the originals and just kind of this sheer just nutso perversity of it all the you know skinning people alive and you know having the this just kind of sort of perverse love story with these insane demons and it, it just it went so much further than most franchises went you know back especially in the 80s everything was about slashers and this was just sort of a different level here i you know i it's more that i appreciate what the effort was but i feel like the execution in some way just didn't quite hit and 
I, I'm really honestly having trouble putting my finger on exactly what it was. Um, you know, like I said, the substance abuse aspect I thought was really cool, but somehow the character, I didn't care about the characters maybe enough, um, which is kind of weird because it really, they really take their time in getting to know them, but maybe they just weren't quite interesting enough. Maybe they were too much of kind of a collection of dicks to be you know, engaging <laughs> enough, but um yeah, it, it didn't quite work for me overall. Uh, I I enjoyed some of the updating. I I thought the Cenobites were appropriately cool. And there there were, like you said, some differences between the classic versions and, and this version. And I, you know, I and I thought, you know, Jamie Clayton as Pinhead was was very cool. Um, although I thought that she didn't quite get enough to do. I would have liked to see more. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm so yeah. I would I would fall on the side of disappointed. You know, I, I want to say this real quick. Uh that um, the Jamie Clayton, I I would venture a guess that Jamie Clayton's Pinhead gets more time than Pinhead in the original 1987. After we rewatched it, yeah, I forgot how little that uh, that whole like crew of Cenobites is even in the movie. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. I'm not using that as a justification. No, 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 it, no. It's just a different. It's just an interesting. Again, like we think of with a lot of like Freddy Krueger, for example, you watch the first couple of Freddy Kruegers, even the third to an extent. That's the transition, though. But like when you get to four, five and six, Freddy's like fucking everywhere. That (laughs) dude is like the guy you're there to see. No one cares about these other characters. But in the first few, it's about like the other characters. Right. Um, And and so like I kind of just assume that's the way like Hellraiser is, you know, and then I watch it and it just it's barely there. Yeah. Um, and it's like watching a nightmare on Elm street and it's like, Freddie's not in the movie that much, like yeah. only when it needs to be, you know what I mean? Yes. And it's really interesting, but I also want to, uh, since you brought the Cinnabites up, mm-hmm. uh, I'll bring, I, I, I do want to talk about this. So I liked him overall and, uh, you know, I was fine with losing the leather <laughs> yeah. and, you know, making clothes out of their stretched skin, basically, yeah. uh, though I prefer the leather <laughs> if I'm honest, yeah, me too. um, but sometimes the Cenobites reminded me of the ghosts from 13 Ghosts, starring Tony Shalhoub and Matthew Lillard. Uh, <laughs> you just covered your face. <laughs> no, and, and there really is no comparison, but I just want to say, like, that movie sucks, <laughs> like, so much, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, But, like, the ghosts in it or the villains or whatever, uh, they feel like they're just there just to be there like just to be scary or like weird for the sake of being weird you know what i'm saying like it's just it's just like there's really no purpose for them other than to just like try to scare people mm-hmm. and the cinnabites uh are like definitely cool but there's like just this thing where it's like they're it might be trying a little too hard to be cool now here here's why i'm cool with it though i'm not this isn't really a criticism um Maybe it is a little bit of a comparison. I maybe I just like the original weird S and M look. I just don't know. Um, but with with this, uh, I know of one of the dudes that did some of the sculpting for this, okay. and they used a lot of like practical effects. Um, I've been trying to get this dude on the pot like on here for a while, uh, but I, I actually enjoyed most of the effects as well. A lot of practical and camera stuff, relatively speaking. 
Um, and even some of the CG stuff looked in camera to me. Like it almost looks sometimes whenever the Cinebite world was coming into our reality and walls were moving yeah. or the like street was dropping. Some of that, though I'm assuming and I feel very confident in saying it's CG, um, it fit the world in a way where it looked like it could almost be like camera tricks. So I actually appreciated some of that, which is a rarity for me to say uh, with movies like this. I usually feel like the effects are often what I hate about them, <laughs> uh, though we are getting uh, better with certain things like like the new Halloween movies. Those effects are usually really good, like things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get there when, when we get to that movie. But uh, I felt that way about like the Cenobites, though. I don't know why I compared it to 13 Ghosts. It's just like the <laughs> movie that came to mind. <laughs> that movie sucks so bad, and this is not that. Um, but anyways... All that said, uh, that was two talking points I actually had written down because I wanted to get to them. Um, but I want to talk about competent filmmaking real quick because I actually think that this movie is really competently made. Uh, I feel like despite its paper-thin plot, uh, you know, it's. I think it's doing certain things better than most. And I hate saying that phrase because it's like someone might say like, yeah, well, the bar's not so high. You know, and then you're just like comparing it to like shitty horror movies that come out. Um, and, and for all intents and purposes, this should have been and maybe you think it is, but this should have been a shitty horror movie. Like there's no reason this sh- should have even been as good as one might even think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like I feel like this should have been really terrible. Uh, so maybe that plays into it as well. But like uh, most of the horror that comes out these days, I don't think is competently made. No. I think the flaw of this movie is the writing. And that the writing is a little too long, which makes the running time too long. And that is a constant kind of um, criticism I see of this, Uh, even though I didn't mind. But I did feel at times where it's like these some of these things could be cut out. This could be tighter. You know what I mean? Like uh, things like that. So I I agree with most people saying that it's a bit too long. But, man, you, you talked about the cast and not caring about anyone, which I really didn't either. Um, Again, I'm putting that more toward the uh, the writing because I actually thought, I'm going to ask you about this. I thought Odessa uh, Asian was fucking awesome, actually. Like, I didn't care. Like, I mean, she's a flawed character that we really don't need to care about for, like, the first third of the movie almost. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's like nothing that she does herself or that she is living is particularly inspiring sympathy until her brother's gone. Do you get what I'm saying? And then you're like, oh, fuck, that sucks, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then and then it kind of moves forward. But I thought she was actually super good. And I have to admit, like, performances can sometimes do that for me. And she stands out among the others. How did you feel about the performances overall? But, like, where does Odessa Asian fall into that category yeah i mean i think she was i think she was pretty good she she certainly held you know she certainly held the movie and and she's really the kind of the driving force of the movie once you get past the you know you get past that that opening exposition that you know the little bit at the beginning and then you know you jump into the story she's certainly the star and you know her you know she's battling drug abuse she's trying to stay clean and you know she's got in the meantime she has these people who were around her who were kind of badgering her and they're they're kind of making it hard they're trying to help her but it seems like really they're making it tough on her but yeah i i mean i i'm not and i'm not still not sure if you're if i would completely agree that 
Um, it's the right, it probably, I mean, the writing is not, not that the writing is great. I think that, I think the germ of the story, um, you know, and this is David S. Goyer's uh, germ, you know, having the story by, I would assume that he has, you know, he had came up with the story and then these guys wrote the script um, and, you know, somewhere along the way lost some of it, but it's, yeah, it, it just, it sort of drags and meanders and, you know, we get these characters introduced and then suddenly the brother's missing. There's, there's like a scene and then they're like kind of arguing and the next thing you know, he's gone and it's like, oh, I got to find my brother. And I, I kind of, I, I think you're, I do think you're right too. It's, it's, it's two hours and one minute, which yeah. isn't crazy long. You know, that's not crazy long for a movie. It's, it's, it's a bit long for a horror movie. You know, they're, they're generally, they generally stick to right around 90 minutes. Maybe you hit a hundred, but um, you know. I mean, at so, least a horror movie like this. Yeah. You know yeah. What I'm and the original felt, and I don't, I kind of vaguely remember the original at this point. Tell me if I'm wrong. Isn't isn't a lot of the original centered around kind of unraveling the mystery of the the puzzle box? And it's, you know, the uh, is it Ashley Lawrence? I think is the original star of of the Hellraiser movies. Well, kind of like, yeah, just no. a, a brief catch up here. Uh, so Ashley Lawrence is Kirsty. That's like the kind of the main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Robinson and Claire Higgins play her parents, but Claire Higgins is like a stepmom or like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like uh, not her actual mom. Right. Um, and the whole idea behind it is less the puzzle box that for like a second it is. Yeah. But she unlocks it pretty fucking quick. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not like a big long thing. It's more about, uh, Frank, who is now a goopy guy, mm-hmm. uh, and Claire Higgins, Julia, who had an affair with Frank, yeah, and is trying to that. basically feed people to the puzzle box so yeah. that Frank can come back. But mm-hmm. Kirsty accidentally finds out about it, and that's how she's in a threat, like okay. she's threatened yeah. or whatever. Right. Um and and the Cenobites are like gonna take her and she's like I can give you who you want though I can find Frank or and then that's like what the movie's about yeah um so you you were almost there but I wanted you yeah. to have that framework so sure, yeah you know yeah and, and I and I did need it because I I I just have this very vague memory of the original one I just remember it being excessively gory I remember Andrew Robinson who was just fucking awesome by the way um I wish he was in this movie <laughs> in some way yeah. um but. Yeah, so I, it feels like the story there was a little more compelling and interesting, and you know, it, it was maybe a bit soap opera y, but it was, you know, in in a, in a better way, I think, than than what we get here. Um, but yeah, there there just was there just weren't those couple of really interesting, even if they were just character actors, you know, people doing something interesting. This is this felt very like I don't want to say it felt like a CW kind of thing, but also it kind of does like you know if the cw wants to be super gritty like this is maybe the the way they go i i mean i don't know that might be a little bit harsh and maybe even inaccurate but there are any number of of modern horror movies you know that that you're talking you know like you were talking about how most of them are just terrible they kind of employ this tactic and there's a lot of just sort of generic quasi pretty faces there and they're trying really hard to be interesting and they just kind of aren't and and i I i'll go with you that uh what what is i'm sorry what is her name again odessa azion is probably yeah. the most interesting of them um but it's it, but i need a little more you know um m- maybe that that rich guy that kind of had possession of the box at the film's outset 
maybe he could have been more interesting. But, uh, you know, that that's just, it's a couple of kind of key choices, I feel like, that just kind of keeps it from greatness, you know, or, you know, from being something a lot better than it, it ended up being. Sure. And, you know, I'm going to actually, I have something that says final quote that I was going to quote uh, an, a Letterboxd user uh-huh. um, that I've, actually, I might be able to find his name. I have the tab open still. Uh, Justin uh, La Liberty is is his name but he said uh simultaneously better than it should be while falling short of what could have been <laughs> and i was going to end on that as part of my uh as part of my thing because uh, i agree like i don't think this movie's great i did like it yeah. um i had a good time with it uh i thought the body horror stuff was cool yeah um, actually really worked for me i get your cd i immediately had a like reaction to it mm-hmm. to just defend it and then I thought about it. I'm like, nah, some of these people, though, are kind of CWE. But yeah. I thought all of the performances were good, personally. Personally. Yeah. So, yeah. I, like, regardless of if they were a little too pretty, though, I don't think Odessa Azion falls into that category. And I also don't think that, uh, oh, crap, I'm in the wrong Hellraiser now. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I was looking for a name. Uh, his name's Trevor. But, oh, J- uh, Drew Starkey, who plays Trevor. I also didn't feel like he was very CWE, though I agree that Matt, the brother, Brandon Flynn, and his boyfriend, yeah, uh, and uh, Nora, who is like their roommate, mm-hmm. uh, they were a little CWE. I'll give sure. you that. Mm-hmm. I will give you that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, the, I mean, like, some of the body horror stuff was cool. Man, like, there was that scene, and, and I'm staying away from spoilers. We are getting into spoilers on Halloween Ends, by the way, and I'll tell you when we can do that because I have to talk to you about something. So okay. we'll warn the viewers when we get there. But uh, on this one, I'm staying away from it, but I'm just going to say this. There's a sequence where uh, one of the characters um, gets basically stabbed by the box. And for anybody who hasn't seen this, it's not exactly the same as the original, at least that I know of. I haven't seen any of the sequels to the original. Okay. I own the second one. I have to watch that. Yeah. Cause I'm actually one, hyped as fuck about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's the, like the a fucking one, fantasy movie or something. better than the first. I I'm think, so glad you said that because yeah. I watched the trailer and I'm like, that movie looks awesome. Yeah. So um, I was just telling Rocky Gray when I had him on last week, I was just like, dude, I think two looks better than one. And I love one. So that's going to tell you how much I'm hoping to like the other. But anyways, uh, I don't know if there's more about the box and the others. But in this one, the way it works is if you get slashed by the box, yeah, the box absorbs your blood and the Cenobites come after you. Yeah. Like now you have been essentially marked, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So someone gets marked mm-hmm. and they're and the rest of the friends, the gang are trying to uh, keep this character away from the Cenobites. So they get in a van. I think the van sequence fucking rules, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought it was creative. I thought the body horror shit was awesome. Yeah. Um, like that sequence I thought was just really cool. I, I'm assuming you remember the scene I'm talking about. Yeah, I can't imagine yeah. how you could forget that so quickly, at least. But like, were there any scenes like that in this movie that hit you that way? Or was this really just lackluster for you across no, the board? The, the, the gore effects were pretty, you know, pretty effective. They, it was it was they were appropriately, you know, you know, making skin crawling. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right word to say, but it, they, they were appropriately you know, eerie and, and, you know, horrific. And it, they, 
Do they stand? Uh, I don't know. Am I going to go and compare it again? Does it stand up to the original? The original is pretty like insane. They do some pretty bad stuff here. Like, I mean, well, yeah. by bad, I mean good, you know, like it, good in the context of the film. But it there's some pretty gruesome stuff that that kind of works. And, and I feel like a lot of the, you know, when, when I watched the original, you know, I, obviously I was much younger. I was a kid. And, you know, there's there was Pinhead and then there's like the people like they have like weird, like stretchy mouths and their skin missing. And in this one, but it, it didn't quite feel as you know as gruesome as it did in this film you know the the makeup effects on the cinebites themselves i i do i want to say it was better i mean it was you know they they didn't fall into a lot of that you know cg you know to your point earlier into the cg trap of like oh look at this all cg character you know it it, it felt very real and there's one one of them i believe has like large like swaths of skin missing and you just see all of it. It's almost like you can feel it, you know, in this case. So that that was very effective. Um, yeah, and, but yeah, I, I didn't, I never really truly felt as unnerved, I think, as I did during the, the original. And I mean, part of that's obviously because I'm an adult now and, you know, I've seen a lot of just really gruesome and creepy stuff in my life. But um, yeah, there there weren't that many scenes that that really kind of got me in the same way. But it certainly does a lot of things very well. So I, I can't, I can't fault it too much, but. Yeah. I just, uh, I guess my thing with the movie is I just felt like the cinematography, which is by a guy named Eli Bourne, who I've never heard of. Um, I just thought like the grim lighting, the mm-hmm. way that the camera just was positioned at every kind of moment. I just thought it was like very effective. Again, yeah. I'm not saying it's great and deserves awards, but I was just, there's just a lot of little things like that. I thought the score, though it had, it was uh, at times a little derivative of the original on purpose. Like, yeah. you know, it was pulling from it. Mm-hmm. Homage, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I thought it was super effective. I mean, there were a lot of these little things where it's like, man, if this story wasn't shit. <laughs> right. Because, uh, I mean, the essential setup, like you, I agree with. Like, that's, that's a, a fine. I don't care that this person who is, uh, you know, an addict. Uh, it basically goes with this other guy to steal this box that has the box in it. Like, I don't care that that's the plot, but it's like, I'll buy it. Dude, horror movies have shitty plots and we love them. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, the worst. And they're all, but but the thing is, if it has a terrible story, we have to have something else that draws us in, right? Like, there has to be something else that pulls us in one way or another. And I do admit that this film doesn't do that in full, but it does it enough, yeah. like more than most of the horror films that I see, mm-hmm. uh, that I was actually a fan. Um, and uh, and I'd watch it again. Like, I don't feel like I necessarily need to, but I would happily watch it again. Um, and I think that kind of sums it up for me. You know, I just thought that uh, even though the Cinnabites reminded me of 13 Ghosts for no reason at all, and the running time's a little long, it could be tighter, and the story could be better. With, like, the cool, like, practical effect body horror stuff, or at least some of it was, at least, you know. I mean, dude, I'll just, this isn't a spoiler, but there's a character who has a device on their body that is literally, like, rotating their nerves around. Yes. Like, yeah. what the... F- like, that now, is it rough. that cool in practice? I don't think it's that cool, mm-hmm. but like the thought, like I'm thinking about like 
fuck, that would hurt so bad. Like, you yeah. know, like I'm thinking, I'm overthinking it like I do many things. And it just kind of led to um, a fun time, I guess. And like I said, you know, uh, I think part of my liking of the movie, I don't love it. Like, this is like a three out of five for me. Like, I don't love the movie. But, like, I think part of it is also just preference. Like, I like the grim lighting. Um, I like all of the performances, but particularly Odessa uh, Asian's. Uh, but I also just uh, feel like there are just certain parts that we don't focus on a lot of times in horror movies because a lot of times those things are bad. And because this wasn't exceptional, me included, I think we can often just overlook it. Yeah. But man, I actually just really noticed for some reason it stuck out to me that, man, this doesn't look like shit. This doesn't sound like shit. This, you know what I mean? And yeah, all of that yeah. led to just kind of a good experience and good is about the best word I can use. You know what I mean? Cause again, yeah. I don't love it and I'm not going to hardcore defend it. Sure. But I, I, that's, that's where I stand. Where do you stand in the end on this yeah. movie? Finishing yeah, up I, our, our thoughts on Hellraiser. Yeah, I, I would, you know, I, I would sort of agree on it, you know, on, on a slightly more, you know, a slightly less positive, uh, you know, angle than you, I gave it two stars. Um, it, you know, because you're it, wrong, Joe. It puts it, it puts it on the lower end of the of my you know list, uh, my ongoing list of the films I've seen of the year. But you know, it if if they made I'll, I'll put it like this: if they put it if they made a sequel to this, I would I would give it another chance. You know, I would I would watch and see if you know what they do with it. I, I would I would hope they would do something kind of on a bigger scale. Um, this this feels like you know something else we can very briefly compare this to. Um, is prey the you know the the predator sequel that who Dude, we I gotta watch this year? movie people have been telling me to watch this movie yeah it's so this is the thing like and you know that that plays like a a TV movie of the week version of predator and that's a good thing I think it's very simple there are very few characters it's a very simple story but it works because it just goes and it just does its thing. You know, the predator doesn't even do anything particularly new or interesting. It's, you know, it's fighting a bear in one scene. And, you know, it's just like this very simple stuff. And then it fights this, you know, the, you know, the Native Americans are the main story. There's actually very little dialogue. And it's just, it's sort of like, I tell people, it's like, it's the movie I wish Brave, the Pixar film Brave actually was. <laughs> uh, With it, Predator in it. <laughs> if, you, if you watch the original, if you ever watch the original teaser trailer of Brave, I remember watching that and it, the way that it, it, what it's hinting at is, is you know, the main character Merida out in the woods fighting a bear. And I was like, Jesus, that looks amazing. So like, that's going to be the coolest Pixar movie ever. And then what we get is some like bullshit with her mom turning into a bear. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> and I was like, this is just the same old crap. I, w I was like, I wish I had that movie. And that's what Prey is. And, you know, with both of these coming out through Hulu, that they're kind of like the same thing. Like this is almost that kind of version of Hellraiser. And I, yeah. I feel like Hell, but I feel like Hellraiser is such a complex and you know deeply rich and subversive kind of story that it it doesn't quite work as well. I think visually it's still pretty interesting for the most part, at least when the Cenobites are out, like you said, and you know, it's in the midst of doing, you know, what Hellraiser does. It's, you know, it 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 doesn't lose all of that. It's certainly got some visual appeal, but um, it, you know, in, in the most gruesome way that it could, but um, yeah, I, I feel like the story is more important in a, in a Hellraiser kind of story than it is in, in some of those, even in, like we said, like a more traditional slasher movie or, you know, a lot of different other kinds of horror movies. 
So yeah, yeah. I, I I would go two out of five on it. You know, that's where I put it. And yeah, may, maybe if there was another one, I'd watch it and be like, but you know, going, oh, this might not be great, but you know, maybe it'll surprise. <laughs> I love how begrudging you are about it, but no, that's so I, I'm really excited to talk about Halloween ends where we flip scripts here. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's, uh, that's, that's where we're going to stop on Hellraiser. Uh, if you're listening to this and you've seen it and I hope you have for better, or for worse, um, you know, hit us up. Let us know what you think at uh, medium cool on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. We'll be right back with Halloween ends. All right, we're back with Halloween Ends 2022, directed by David Gordon Green, written by way too many writers. Uh, Paul Brad Logan, Chris uh, Bernier, Bernier? I don't know how to say his name. I apologize. Danny McBride and David Gordon Green, though. I'm assuming the latter two probably had just more to do with the story. Um, but that's just a guess. Uh, cast, Jamie Lee Curtis, Andy uh, Matichak, Rowan Campbell. I don't know why I can't say words today. And Will Patton, <laughs> whom I love. Uh, release date, October 14th, 2022. is last Friday and is streaming on Peacock Premium as well as in theaters. So, I saw it in theaters. I don't know where you saw it, Joe, but uh, I went to the theater to see this one. And uh, it's uh, a film that takes place four years after the events of Halloween in 2018, uh, where Lori, who is Jamie Lee Curtis, has decided to liberate herself from fear and rage and embrace life. But when a young man is accused of killing a boy he was babysitting, it ignites a cascade of violence and terror that will force Lori to finally confront the evil she can't control once and for all. Now, another friend of ours, Joe, uh, Evan Dossie, uh, from the Midwest Film Journal, wrote a review about this film, and he said, Halloween Ends is a unique and idiosyncratic slasher that shies away from convention and tries to tell a broader, more insightful story. Between this and Halloween Kills, it's safe to say Green, the director, uh, David Gordon Green. Wait, did I say that right? David Gordon Green? Yeah. Is that his name? Yep. Yeah, okay. Sorry, guys. Um, but Green made something truly special in the annals of American slashers. Halloween ends seems fully self-aware that, uh, that it is destined for derision, uh, for a few years before a small audience declares it an unsung masterpiece. And what is more Halloween than that? Now, I actually agree with Evan here in that the film is very self-aware. Also that David Gordon Green clearly had a vision for the series. I'm more I'm more extrapolating that from what he says, uh, but also that he that the film tries. I'll go there. Is it successful? I don't think so. Unique for the Halloween series, maybe, but I don't think it earns that label either. Yeah. I actually think Halloween ends feels lazy, like they didn't know what to do with the Michael Myers story or Lori's, which is more important. So they had to make like a buddy cop equivalent to a killer slasher, but where the cops are killers. And actually, I'm not going to touch that anyways, uh, but I, I'm being ridiculous, of course, with that statement. Okay, I know. But it, it it feels to me like 
this film reduces everything in its canon, that being the original film and the three that David Gordon Green made. That's kind of the canon for this universe. Uh, everything that came before it, and it shelves all of that to expand in a different territory, into different territory, you know. And 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 I, I would say that this film is neither insightful nor shying away from convention, uh, depending on what those conventions are, I guess. But rather, the film is more interested in abandoning the idea of Michael Myers as the, quote, it, despite Laurie saying it multiple times in the film, uh, but more interested in implying that the evil we associate with Michael Myers is maybe contagious in some way or can make its way and find itself in others. There is even a time where a character falls down and sits up. I put like The Undertaker, but it's like Michael Myers does. (laughs) (laughs) One and the same, right? Got it. Was from exactly, yeah. Uh, But after the character is quote unquote contaminated, and I'll talk about what I mean by that later when we get to spoilers. But after he's contaminated with evil, Michael seems more human and is overcome by much more easily by others, uh, even losing his mask in the process relatively easily, might I add. Yeah. So, you know, we'll get into spoilers later, Joe, and I'll, I'll make sure it's very clear, listeners, uh, so you don't have to worry. But uh, and, and I'll explain what I mean by contamination then. But, Joe, where do you fall? Is Halloween Ends a unique and idiosyncratic slasher that shies away from convention and tries to tell a broader, more insightful story? Or is it another slasher that crumbles due to its narrative incompetence? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not biased at all. <laughs> I love that. You're not, you're not pushing it any direction in particular at all. Um, no, I, I very much fall on Evan's side of this one. I, I really enjoyed this. I, I, I pretty much, I pretty much agree with him on it. Um, there, there's a couple of little bits here and there that, that you know, miss for me maybe. But um, on the whole, I love what they what they did with this. You know, continuing it from Halloween Kills, which I also really loved. Um, I liked that one. Yeah, that's what's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it. But I, I think it, it dragged it out. Kind, you know, and after seeing the third one, this was not watching this one. It wasn't what I expected it to be. It's not even necessarily what I would have wanted it to be. Um, you would have, I, I would have hoped watching it, it would have been something more akin to Halloween H2O um, in some ways in terms of like the final, you know, the final battle between Laurie and Michael. Um, but then again, we've already seen that. So um, I, I feel like this is a different sort of, um, it's a different sort of beast. And, and I think David Gordon Green, you know, as Evan was alluding to, was making a, a different sort of statement. He, I think he was trying to, as you said, say that the the evil is not necessarily just in the monster. It's in you know the the real monsters are are the people who kind of perpetuate things and and push things and and lay blame on things, often in an extraordinarily unfair, almost comically unfair way. <laughs> so I, yeah. I feel like he was making maybe a political statement as much as anything. Um, you know that this felt a lot like at times a you know, let's say a Fox News or a CNN sort of talking heads uh, argument, you know, with, where, you know, there's there's a sequence where, uh, okay, well, well, let me just be, let me try to be a little more vague with it, that, you know, Laurie and, and other characters are, are taking blame for things that clearly they could have had no fault for, you know, people are laying blame at them, like, this is your fault that this man massacred 15 people. It's like, 
how was it possibly Lori's fault that Michael Myers escaped from his mental institution and started killing people? Like, you know, she she didn't do anything. Yeah. And, you know, these people are like very much placing blame on her. And it, 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 in a different movie in a different time, it would have seemed ridiculous. But but in today's, you know, in, in today's America, it almost felt, you know, completely like understandable, you know, at, at least not not their argument. Their argument is still ridiculous, but it, it feels like people would actually make this argument today. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I there, there's a scene where Lori's walking out of, again, I don't want to spoil too much at this point, but there's a scene early, kind of early this on. This isn't really walks, a spoiler. I know where you're going to, the grocery yeah, yeah, store. She, yeah, she, she yeah. walks out of a supermarket and, and someone's like, hey, you know, you made this happen, you know, like my... Sister. Well, first, first, this lady, it's just this lady by a car, and she just goes, hey, yeah. what'd you get? And Lori's yeah. like, what? <laughs> like, like what? Right. She's like, what'd you get? And then it, it starts so weird. And then she just starts berating her and blaming yeah. her for one of her family. I don't remember if it was her mother or who it, it was, was, but her sister. like yeah. her sister, her yeah. sister is in a wheelchair now mm-hmm. because of Michael. I mean, if you see um, Halloween Kills, I believe that scene is in there where she yeah. gets uh-huh. uh, injured. So um, that that's the context for what you're saying. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And so she's basically like, it's your fault, Michael Myers. You know, you you know, in Halloween Kills, you're led to believe he kills her. This is the one where the the old man and woman are playing with the the drone, and and Michael comes and like like just basically like stabs the shit out of the guy, and then breaks the light tube off and stabs the woman. And you're you know obviously you're meant to believe she dies, but you know here we see that she doesn't. But she you know she's obviously very traumatized and she's severely injured and she can't speak and. Um, there's you know she's like this is your fault because you tempted him and it's like well that's clearly bullshit but you know like you're searching for someone to blame but um it it's it's kind of the continuation of halloween kills where halloween kills was the indignation of we're gonna get this guy you know and evil dies tonight you know and all that and then this is this film picks up as we said four years after and it's kind of the wake of that horrible failure um and everyone is, is sort of like, there's a lot of anger and people are mad at each other. And um, it, it, it was pretty interesting to see kind of the juxtaposition of this town that's, you know, kind of basically, I don't want to say they're bored with that, with the lack of Michael Myers in that four years of that not knowing, but everyone is, is embittered. And obviously a lot of people died in, in a small town. So that would have a, a huge, a huge impact on, you know, these people's lives. But and you know, and those you know, if you think about that scene at the end where Michael essentially slaughters ten or fifteen people, that you know, a great deal of the town is going to be, you know, close to someone who died there. So, yeah, you know that what grows out of that is, is that bitterness and that that hatred, and and now they need someone to blame, and Michael Myers is gone, so they're going to blame somebody, and and then we and then we get to, I don't know if we want to go off in this direction, but we get to Corey. Yeah, so let's hold off on Corey real quick. All right, I want to talk about I, I want I want to talk about some positives first because because okay. because I I don't want this to just be a bash because quite frankly I only gave this like a half star less than Hellraiser so <laughs> it's not like I hate this movie uh-huh. um but uh th- there are some things I cannot get past okay um and I think that's what's really frustrating about this movie because I actually I originally I gave it a two out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up upping it because I had to be real with myself and yeah. say, I feel like I'm punishing the movie. I actually had a fine time watching it. Like we went to the theater and saw, it. I was with mm-hmm. my wife. 
we had a good time watching it. It's just the more I think about it, I have nothing good to say, and it's very frustrating. Okay. Uh, so some positives. The babysitter sequence at the beginning is fucking yeah. awesome. I actually yeah. thought that sequence was really great. Uh, yeah. Is it ridiculous? Yes, but I don't give a shit. Like, I actually thought it was uh, fun, and they're watching The Thing, which is fun, yeah. which... Uh, a, a fun point to make uh, in the original, they're watching uh, the thing from another world. Mm -hmm. So an interesting kind of remake like movie in a movie thing. Um, but anyways, babysitter sequence is great. We can talk more about that in spoilers if we want. But if you see the film or if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the introduction to Corey, basically. Um, the kills by the end are actually pretty intense. Um, I'm thinking of... Uh, a group of four people that have uh, picked on one of the characters long enough and yeah. we see their demise. Uh, it's it's the kind of gore I like to see in newer horror movies where the whole film isn't made up of just pure gore, yeah. but whenever the gore does hit, it really hits. Like it's, I don't want to call it shocking, but it like, it's like, it like almost like uh, uh, startles you back into what you're watching you know what i mean yeah so I'm, I'm actually a big fan of um the horror <clears throat> excuse me the horror it's fucking brutal it's gory and it reminds me of almost something like the uh like ultra like the gore horror stuff in france like high tension or something it's sure. not quite that ridiculous but the way that those moments like kind of shock you back into like focus yeah. uh and stuff is cool and then uh, the look of the film's pretty cool. I recognize that, uh, though I haven't seen most of the Halloween movies, I do know that the third movie uh, credits are blue text, and they kind of yes. went into, they like, you know, there's an homage there. Yeah. Uh, and I actually really like the way that David Gordon Green has these movies looking. And then the, the score, uh, clearly, again, derivative of the 78 original, so it's going back to that John Carpenter style, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was quite effective so i i want to give it some i want to give it its due right those are some things i will wholeheartedly say i was a fan of and what make it pretty easy for me to sit and watch and at least have like a relatively good time like i would watch this a million times over most horror movies that come out every year so i'm not <laughs> like i'm not trying to um uh yeah like bury the movie um uh, i just find it frustrating so i'm going to tell you why because you were talking about some of the stuff you're talking about the social aspects mm -hmm. maybe some of the political statements i totally see you there mm -hmm. i see those um my big frustration is i feel like all of those things feel more like uh undeveloped plot points uh than they do like real statements so think of it this way here's a different a different problem i'm going to give you three back to back okay maybe right. we're supposed to believe that 40 years for 40 years or whatever, after that, uh, Michael Myers has been locked away for that time in a maximum security prison, okay, for 40 years. And through all of that time, Laurie Strode lived the life of a paranoid survivalist with a home alone house, basically, okay, yeah. uh -huh. <laughs> while Michael's put away. She never got over it. She never relaxed, okay? Yeah. Now, all she knew was fear and rage. All of this projected to anyone who came into her life. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Myers actually did escape, and he went on another killing spree. This is in Halloween Kills. Yeah. Well, actually, this would be the first and second movie, I guess. And he goes on a killing spree. He killed Lori's daughter, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, as this uh, 
or well, basically, as this movie begins, he's still at large, so he's out and about. No one has caught him. Okay, yeah. so and no one knows where he is. So he could potentially return at any moment, and everyone else in Haddonfield is like supposedly like losing their fucking shit over the fact that like. Michael Myers could kill anyone at any time. We're getting this at even the beginning of the film with the kid and and Casey or Corey. Mm-hmm. Um, yet Lori is now cheerfully living a carefree life. Yes. She buys a new house. She writes her memoirs. She encourages her granddaughter, Allison, to go out and like live her life. And for me, I'm just like, this is fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this makes no sense. Now, in a vacuum, if this was like the only movie that existed, it may not bother me that bad, right? But we've established like a canon, right? So here's another one. The narrative aspect of this movie is really largely what hurt it for me. And and it's, I I started off interested in Corey's story and this is kind of a segue where we can vaguely talk about Corey for the time being, because I have some spoilers that we'll get into later with Corey. But uh, I was interested in Corey, for example, uh, like I said, the babysitting scene is effective. um, And I thought like what happened and how he was treated early on uh, to be vague was, Actually, I felt some sympathy for like early on. I felt like this is a character that could be developed into something kind of three dimensional, like something that could really like we see this kind of happen, you know, like people, no matter what the circumstances are, people are completely demonized immediately. Mm-hmm. And so um, sometimes rightfully so, sometimes not like it just depends, you know, and I but I felt no sympathy for him, just frustration that he existed in the film by the end. And uh, that's largely because I felt, again, like this character that he started out as just became a fucking plot point, not a character like he could have been, but a plot point. And also, why does Michael have a buddy? We'll get there. Anyways, so (laughs) I just I just think this is so stupid. My third point, and then I'm going to hand it off to you. Okay. and then you can talk about narrative if you want. You can talk about Corey, whichever. All the tensions between Lori and Allison, her daughter, her granddaughter, feel so contrived to me. It feels, again, like a plot point, not an actual organic thing by any means. So you're seeing a, a, a through line here. I feel like everything is such a plot point mm-hmm. that for as much as I want to say that this narrative is just better than Hellraiser, <laughs> Hellraiser didn't piss me off because at least it wasn't so much that it's bad. It's just boring. It's a boring story. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's just, like, flimsy. You know, there's, like, nothing to the plot of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But this one has more to say. But every at every step, it just feels like it's reduced to a plot point. Yeah. Now, I want your retort, Joe. Go. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, to start, um, I, I sort of agree with you on Lori's character change. I, I would, the only, the main thing I could argue is that given halloween kills and given the the scenes in the hospital where everyone goes berserk i would i would have to assume that that's a big uh kind of incitement for her to change but having said that we don't get to really see it and we don't really get to see any real rationale and and you're i think you're right that it really doesn't it doesn't feel it, it does feel forced and it does feel like something that it doesn't feel like a natural continuation for that character. 
where she would just do a complete 180 and be like, eh, screw Michael Myers. Maybe he'll come Dude, back. 40 maybe. fucking years. Right. She she was 40 like 40 time. Yeah. Years, dude. Yeah, this would Sorry. this would happen. And you know, and oh yeah, you killed my daughter. Okay, cool. You know, my daughter <laughs> and my son-in-law, my granddaughter's <laughs> parents, both of them dead. And they both were just like, Yeah, cool, okay. You know, that that you're right. That I I think we probably needed something a little more to justify a change of that magnitude. Um, but it, once the movie got going, I kind of it kind of didn't matter to me, you know, because once, you know, once the shit hits the fan, so to speak, it, you know, it, it reverts back to what it was, you know, and, and she didn't have, it felt like she was almost doing this as a counterpoint to the rest of the town. It was almost like the rest of the town caught up to her and she was like, okay, this isn't cool anymore. Like I've got to go the other direction before all these people kill themselves or kill each other. But again, they didn't do a good enough, if that's what it was, they didn't do a good enough job of, of kind of establishing that. Um, so I, I do wish they, you know, they had had a little more of a, of a thing and not just ask us to buy that. So you're, you're completely right. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I don't really have a great argument against it in terms of what we actually see. I'm, I'm, this is supposition just, on it my just part. Didn't, it just yeah. didn't matter to you in the end, which is yeah, it, perfectly what, fine. Once, once the movie got going, I was like, well, I guess I'll go with it. She must have had her reasons, you know, like as, as much of a badass, you know, she was, she was Linda Hamilton, you know, and Sigourney Weaver, in, you know, an alien or Terminator and aliens, respectively, um, you, you know, in the Halloween world. Um, so it was, you know, that was cool. And then, and now she's like, ah, I'm retiring. Like I lost too much. You know, I mean, she, she could even have gone in that direction and be like, oh. The losses were just too much, and you know we we could have had another scene or two of her and and Allison being, um, you know, being sad about you know five years later about their daughter and mother you know being gone. Um, we just didn't get that much from it, and and yeah, I think it's the detriment of the movie. I I feel like there's I feel like we could have made something there that we didn't. So so yeah, so that that's a missed opportunity for sure. Um, if I want to jump to Corey, I, I think you're, I think you were right early on. It was, um, it, it was a, they did do a good job of kind of establishing him as being sympathetic. And then that kind of just went away. Dude, there's one fucking scene in uh -huh. a sewer. That's all I'm saying where yes. it changes hard. And we'll talk about this in spoilers. This is one of yeah. the things, Yeah, but yeah, I and, get you. And, I see you. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I can't be, I can't be too much, but I, but uh, this was sort of the design of the movie, though, was that, uh, again, we'll, we'll be I'll be coy about it for the moment until we actually you know want to dig into it. But um, I I felt like it was a somewhat of a rough transition to get where they were actually going. But I, I think that was very much done on purpose, the, the way that he was after a couple of times um, he. There, there was a pretty abrupt change. And I, I would have, again, maybe would have liked to have seen, there could have been a subtle hint or two um, in, in a certain spot, but um, they chose not to for whatever reason again. But I, I, feel like this, I feel like this is less of an issue even than the first point, just because this is where, where they were going from the start with this movie. Like, this is where he was supposed to be. And but I, I, I don't think, know. I, I think, go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was going to say, I don't know if, you know, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride and company were trying to do this 
you know, that this is just a, was an interesting tactic to take um, to to put this kid in in the middle of this whole thing um, because it affected the Michael versus Lori storyline so you know profoundly. It it switched it in a very you know a, a very odd way, but but it also kind of makes sense to me too, given the both the history of the films that we're kind of supposed to ignore. And this is kind of to me is almost that if I can call something genius of of this trilogy is that they both invoke these other films, all of these other films, and they ask you to ignore them. And you know, they they try to have their cake and eat it too. And I, I think in a way they they pull it off. Uh, I thought the Halloween kills like throwbacks to even like Halloween two or whatever. I thought were like what an interesting yeah, absolutely like that one clearly has some might see it problematic some might see it like interesting the political argument of the uh-huh. mob of people and yeah. that was like a very timely thing but it also plays into halloween 2 and yeah. you're changing kind of the context of what halloween 2 was by putting it in the context of your new film so yeah. you you have your cake and eat it too thing right like that's 100 yeah. yeah. spot on yeah yeah and in in terms of you know in terms of the previous films they're doing you know that i i you know i i think it, it's a it's very much a cheat that they're they let you have some of Michael's and some of the other characters' traits see, you know, shine through when, you know, they going from the first film into these films is sort of a cheat. But you know, I I kind of what I kind of look at as, you know, Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills are kind of Haddonfield's 9-11, like they're September 11th. And then Halloween Ends is, you know, 2002 through today. You know, that these are everyone is you know, everyone has changed in ways that they don't even necessarily recognize. People are, you know, looking for conspiracy theories and looking for weird things and looking for people to blame of, of, about things that, you know, that are clearly insane and clear, but yet they're convinced that it's right. And that that's kind of where this goes. And it's doing things like, oh, I'm going to hold off on saying this, but I, I feel like, you know, going back to Corey Cunningham, I think he fits a very specific role as well in, in real life um, that he's, you know, he has made it, he's sort of made into this in a way like society. When, when we're talking, you know, remember back, I remember back in the eighties, whenever someone would be like, Oh, I killed people because society did this to me. And we were like, ah, oh, this is such a cop out. Like you're doing this and this and this, but today it's a lot easier to see that sort of thing when there are things like, school shootings and you know things like that like it's very easy to see people being driven to become you know basically becoming sociopaths they're basically put in that in that position by bullying and by you know just years and years of abuse and you know all of these things yeah. and, and that kind of that kind of fits this it, it, I, I see you there. Can I ask you a question real quick? And then yeah, we'll, then yeah. let's move on and we'll get back to this in spoilers because I have like a hard time responding without spoiling. <laughs> That's but a lot. With what you just said, though, with what you uh, just said yeah, about Corey and in and, and real life, like seeing people bullied to almost mm-hmm. like sociopathy, if you will. Sure. Um, like, do you believe that with that character, though? Be uh, honest. It. It, it's there's there's a, a little bit of a stretch to it. I, I think that's what he's going for. I think, I think that might. What, yeah, that clearly. Yeah. Yeah. But then it, uh, but there's a specific place where that takes a turn mm-hmm. away from it, which yeah. is part of my beef. But I, I get what you're saying. And yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I just want to say this and then we can get in the spoilers and actually just dig okay. in. I, I'm, I'm uh, you're talking about Corey. These mm-hmm. teenagers are so fucking annoying and yes. clearly 
are a plot point exclusively and they're terribly unrealistic and fucking stupid. Now, they're I'm not horrible. trying to argue realism yeah. in a horror movie like this. That is not yeah. my argument. But these guys are so fucking stupid. They piss me off. I just need that to be said. <laughs> and to be clear, I'm I'm like, again, I'm not arguing really realism, yeah. but this is absurd uh-huh. and so fucking convenient. I hate these kids. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so <laughs> like that said, um, uh, moving on from that, I just want to say one thing about David Gordon Green and then let's okay. let's jump into some spoilers here. OK. All right. I'm going to ask you a question first. How do you feel about David Gordon Green as the director of these Halloween movies? Yeah, I I think for the most part, I've, I've enjoyed him. Um, the, these are not you know, he's not known for horror you know before these movies came out this is not what he was known for you know he um I, and i actually interviewed him once upon a time to, to drop a name um when he did snow angels you know he you know he did like stuff like pineapple express i mean i think the most people he was the director of pineapple express until these movies yeah. came out you i know, always he, knew him for george washington which is like a random one it was like his first one but it was on criterion and it was the way i knew that name like yeah. i always saw on the cover of the movie you know what i mean yeah yeah but yeah but it's yeah weird, but yeah. i i i think what he brought to this is in a was I, I think first of all it was his willingness to to deviate from you know from just the formula because i mean you go back and look through all these movies and they're all just formula you know it's you know it's michael arrives he kills somebody he's he's chasing a specific person who's a family member you know, he's chasing Laurie in the first couple of movies. And then, you know, you jump to four and he's chasing Laurie's, you know, Laurie's daughter. Laurie is dead. And then eventually we, we circle back around to H2O where he's now, you know, they they kind they this has just been that series that's retconned itself so much that it's yeah. it's kind of retconned to death. And, and this is even just one step beyond that. And, uh, you know, the, if you had if you'd asked me. Um, you know when this before when they first announced this movie, oh, my and I, actually this was the the reaction I had. I was just like, I mean, I'm going to see it because I love Halloween movies, but it's you know it it's going to be some some bullshit that's going to you know run through. <laughs> it's just going to you know it's just it's going to be another take on the same thing. It's it's kind of dumb to to just say okay, ignore everything after the first movie. Like why not Halloween two? You know, and, it, and this is just. And, and it's just so weird that this movie went through, this franchise went through all of those steps, all of that just convoluted backstory, then was remade with two movies. And then they went back to this and was like, ignore everything else. Just that was all garbage. Uh, and it's mystifying to me that they had the gall to even do it. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I was, I've been entertained enough by these movies. And I think they say something just, different enough that is it kind of merits all of that so uh, i was i'm overall you know i'm just like yeah okay and and i don't know that anybody well i mean i'm sure there are other people besides him who could have done it but he seems like the perfect the perfect counter programming you know david gordon green and danny mcbride for god's sake like who would have thought that you know it's like, weird it, yeah it, it it felt like it was kind of born out of ego when they first started it because it's like oh you know these guys have cachet now they've had some hits they made a lot of money they and they just want to go i i thought they were going to turn it into a, a kind of quasi comedy but the comedy has been very toned down and it was you know there was honestly almost none aside from some levity um here and there but it was you know they, these have been pretty serious movies and and obviously i i think that's to the to, to a benefit but um yeah i i think i think he did surprisingly well um given what it could have been 
and and I think what maybe even a lot of people would have expected what I what I even expected when I first heard that you know these two were collaborating on on making a new series of Halloween movies I was like I I don't know are we gonna have Kenny Powers in here what are we gonna have yeah uh, you know but it, I was I was I would say pleasantly surprised at at what he's done um, and I, I don't you know we can we can argue you know narratively and you know if we want to dig into like the filmmaking of it but i i think he did some fun things he um he had can i say respect for the source the the source material um enough to like you know like you said do things like flourishes like the fonts and you know the the callbacks you know so you know certain different callbacks that you know to the previous films that I, i feel like worked and they were always just you know, just in the background enough to, to be like, yeah, okay, I, I see that. Um, and there were tons of them. Um, just, just little, sometimes they were just little narrative things. Sometimes they were, you know, very in your face and obvious and on the nose, but they, they were more fun than anything. And I, I just think, I think it all worked. It just all works for me. Yeah, I think uh, David Gordon Green deserves a certain amount of respect uh, for not simply like rehashing the same Halloween formula with this one in particular. Yeah. Um, though I see the attempt, if mm. now having seen it, I might have actually just preferred the status quo, but <laughs> but I, I appreciate the attempt. I think that's like really important because, like, what do you do? We're not in the 80s anymore. Right. And people aren't just going to watch slashers like that the mm-hmm. way they used to. Yeah. And so I appreciate that. Uh, that direction and i actually really like i would have never thought i'd say this much like you but i i really like david gordon green's style mm-hmm. in yeah. these I, I am actually a fan I, I the callbacks are not so on the nose they make me just want to curl up and die yeah um the music is like good homage like it's clearly updated but you still have that synth and you still have like that like like noise or whatever, like yes. whenever Michael yeah, shows yeah. up, you know, that uh-huh. cheesy noise. Like the, what you see here is a filmmaker who actually loves the source material. Yes. You know what I mean? And and you can see that throughout the movie. Um, And, and it's different. It's not like J.J. Abrams making like episode seven. You know what I mean? Where it's like literally it's like a, like it's all just like um, uh, what's the word? And, and funny enough, that's my favorite of the new trilogy, but I still don't love it. It's like um, not exposition. I can't think of the word. Um, it's just all. It's all just. I don't want to say callback, but uh, what do you call it when imitation? Like yeah, he's emulating. Yeah. He's like yeah. emulating this thing. It doesn't feel real. You yeah. know what I mean? And it, it, but the difference between that and David Gordon Green is like this movie doesn't feel like an emulation. It feels like homage and its own thing. Yeah. You know. Uh, and I, I yeah I I like this the overall kind of style of it. Uh, and everything. So I got to give credit there. Again, I have major issues with some of this, but like on that level, I got to give it some props. Okay. okay. So um, listeners, just real quick, I'm going to let you know this now. Spoilers are beginning. So check the description for the episode. I have like a point where the spoilers end. So if you want to fast forward, that's fine. But we're going to talk spoilers in three, two, one. All right. Let's talk about this fucking Corey guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh Corey's encounter with Michael yes in the sewers is fucking stupid Joe and I want to hear you argue this because here's the thing here's the thing he was a fine character mm-hmm. 
until he goes in there yeah and he like he gets strangled by michael mm-hmm. and then michael just lets him go okay yeah. now there are two albeit both points i would argue are fucking stupid mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but i find two <laughs> options for why this is and if you have a third one i want to hear it i'm okay, sincerely yeah, as you know i just love hearing why people love things so i don't mm-hmm. care if you agree with me but so option one is Michael Myers somehow passes uh, or contaminates this yeah. guy with evil mm-hmm. and then just lets him live. Of course, yeah. that's clearly Michael Myers MO. Sure. I'm being sarcastic. Or two, Michael Myers saw the evil that is inside himself mm-hmm. in this guy, yeah. Corey, and decided to let him live. Which yeah. I also think is fucking stupid. Okay, so uh, I so option one because it undercuts so much in my opinion. Option one denies the concept of Michael as being an it, uh-huh. right? Like the personification of evil, right? Yeah, it, it it undermines that entirely. It denies the idea that he is this evil, but rather he possesses this evil and he is a human. And that's one of the things I love about the original. Is yeah. that they just beat you over the head with he's not human, he is right. evil incarnate, right? Yeah. So that that is that is uh, that hurts me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the second option uh, about uh, him seeing the evil inside Corey and letting him live mm-hmm. um, has like no grounding or purpose in this series. So mm-hmm. I want to clarify what my beef is here, real quick. If this were just a horror movie and Michael Myers wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. I might have a different tune, but the problem is we've just had two in the past few years where yeah. not for a pandemic, they'd even be closer together. And you've established a reality. This dude should not be alive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. So why is he fucking human now? Basically, right. do yeah. you get like this? Like these are the little things I get really hung up on. This is like, this is like a found footage movie that has like edits. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like that, bothers me so much because it just pulls me out of it yeah so yeah. as soon as this motherfucker michael myers being the motherfucker grabs Corey, the other motherfucker <laughs> and and he's choking him uh-huh. and then he just lets him go yes what the fuck's going on? when did michael myers become a little bitch Joe? like what's happening well he certainly does in this movie he kind of does that um, he does way- it straight up. There's no yeah, kind of. What are you talking about? No, he certainly does it. But I, I took it as I, I don't know, and I, I don't have the real answer. I was there some sort of like because when when he grabs him, they he like looks in his eye, and then you see these flashes back to the babysitting yeah. thing, and back to the people, and back to the people, you know, harassing him and. And you you see a reflection of Michael in his eyes. Yes. Which leads me to believe it's the second thing where he sees the evil inside. I was using contamination earlier just to be cheeky, just to kind of bury the lead, so to speak. (laughs) But but I actually believe it to be the second. Mm -hmm. But continue, please. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, my thought was, well, do they have like this connection, like a psychic sort of link? Like, did he literally see that? Did he just recognize the evil? But then again, you know, in in this version, like Michael, at this point, Michael is is broken down. Like he's not 
he's not at his full strength. You know, you, you see him, if you even looking at his body language, like he's favoring his shoulder, obviously his yeah. hand had been blown off, you know, from his encounter with Lori the first time. And he was, he was injured, you know, he, you know, he got basically got the shit kicked out of him that one night, even though he got up and killed everybody, but he was, you know, this, you know, he's limping and he's dragging and he's not, I, I don't know if there was some sort of like, you know, my body's dying. I got to transfer the evil to someone else to, to kind of start over. But that's, that's for a long time been in this series has been kind of the thing, you know, if you go back to Halloween four, where, uh, you know, the, the movie ends with, with the little girl stabbing her, her foster mom. And, you know, it's like, oh, it's like this big cliffhanger ending. Right. And she's like, oh, she's going to become like the new Michael Myers. And then, you know, of course they just go back and, oh no, we just do more Michael Myers. Yeah, but don't you think that ending is fucking stupid in Halloween Four? <laughs> well, given where given where it went, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it was. Yeah, given where the the franchise went in the next film, yeah. Um, at the time, it was like I thought that was the coolest ending I'd ever seen to a you know a Halloween movie. It was like, oh my god, like the little girl, like the evils infected her, and that's so that's you know that that's kind of the the thematic cousin to you know to this. Okay. But I don't know. But it. But also, you're right. It doesn't make sense to some degree because Michael's always been like, "I don't care who you are. I'm going to kill you." You know, yeah. like I just, I'm here but, to murder everyone. But also, I, w- I want to ask you, so you can keep talking. I do want to ask you a question about something you said, though, because yeah. I thought a lot about this. His body, his body's withering. At first, I was like, "It's been four years. How's he not back to full health?" Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, but then, but it's like he's an old man, which yeah. makes him inherently mortal and human. Yeah. Uh huh. That's what I don't under. This is like a like, I hate this. <laughs> like, and listen, listen. Your answer to this can uh-huh. just be it just didn't bother me, and that's yeah. perfectly acceptable. Right. It's just this is the shit that bothers me because uh-huh. it seems so e- like it seems so unnecessary. Yeah. Why is Corey his buddy cop? You know what I'm saying? Like this is the joke <laughs> yeah. I made before, uh-huh. but they're like killing people together like he's his son or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. Where did this fucking Michael come from? Like, what is happening? Yeah. Did you not actually feel like it was because the scenes themselves aren't like bad per se? Like, yeah. you have that one since we're in spoiler territory. You have the one where um, they go to uh, uh, what's her name, Allison? I think yeah. that's the daughter or granddaughter. Uh, they go to Allison's boss's house. Yes, and Corey doctor, straight yeah. up like murders the boss, and then like Michael kills. Like yeah. the the Another secretary nurse. or whoever, whoever the fuck the nurse yeah. or whoever was uh, that was sleeping with him right. to get the promotion or whatever. Yeah. And like so th- like that scene in and of itself is like cool for a slasher. Like, you know, yeah. but I, I almost like didn't feel it was cool because I'm like, the fuck is happening? Yeah. Like, why is Michael Myers yeah. having a buddy? Yeah. Yeah. Do you get well, what I'm it, like? How do you feel about this? Well, it I felt like that one worked just because the the implication to me it it was a it was a step in that direction without being like later on with the with the other cop in the you know when he goes they go back into the sewer he lures the cop into the sewer yeah like that's the point where they're just working in tandem right like Corey is holding him and you know and like actively keeping him there so michael could kill him 
I, and I almost. And do, took you, it. do you know why he was doing that? Because Michael's a little bitch now. Right. <laughs> Some normie, <laughs> fucking normie, beats uh, Michael up. Yeah. What is yeah. happening? Well, that, yeah, and that's where it got weird, and, and it it took some. It, it almost took like an interpretation on my part. I, I'm gonna go back to. I'm gonna go back to this is, and this sounds stupid. And I think it's stupid even saying it, but this is the the way I rationalized it was. I go back to Freddy versus Jason. The story of Freddy versus Jason was Freddy is weak because everyone's forgotten him, and he he gets Jason to to start killing people in in his hometown so that people start thinking about him again, and then he gets powerful. I took that as like Michael was old and broken down, and once he starts killing people, it it gets the juices flowing and gets the mojo working, and he you know he gets some strength back, and he you know he's able to. Um, he's able to to kill people again and he's you know so he's and if you it definitely you feels movie, that way yeah yeah and i've and i've watched the movie i watched the movie twice now so um i kind of know and i was looking for that later on in my second viewing was how does michael start to act after he kills someone after he makes that first kill he's a little more spry and he's he's a little he's less hunched over he's less yep. favoring everything it's almost like it's regenerating him so maybe that's what he's doing is you know if he's if he's a you know murder fueled monster then that's going to help him so i guess <laughs> again, this I'm, is so, you know I, so i, I want to go back to something that that uh, sam uh, wrote okay evan evan i think reviewed this no thing. no 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 i'm talking about oh, hellraiser sorry sorry oh, sorry okay, I, okay. I didn't make that clear my bad sorry yeah um let me find it here uh ra- dull razor thin uh-huh. That was his exact wording. <laughs> yeah. This fucking shit with Corey and uh-huh. Michael is dull razor thin <laughs> to me. Okay. Okay. And I had like a major issue with, with this whole like Corey thing. Uh-huh. Cause then like, like Corey falls off that roof or whatever. And he sits up like the undertaker, uh-huh. like Michael Myers does. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, why are you this way? Right. Like, like yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Like, why are you acting like Michael? It, that so that's where my contamination of evil came from. Yeah. And then it's like, is he fed this evil from Michael, mm-hmm. or is it inerrant in him? And Mike and Michael saw it in Corey, but I don't think it's consistent enough to have an answer. I think both are kind of true. Like he had it in him, but like Michael, like awakens it. You know, but at the same time, I'm like, once Michael realizes when he kills someone that he beefs up, he gets he gets like an extra life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh Um, Which I agree. I I felt that as well. When he stabs that dude in the sewer like a billion times, like you see him like upright and everything. Yeah. But it's like, why does he just kill Michael then if he realizes murder is what like like, I just don't I just don't understand that. And, and, And my big question for you, and this is the biggest spoiler. Well, I don't know. People probably already know about it. But like, well, how do you feel about Michael Myers literally being murdered at the end of this? Like <laughs> the body is literally mm-hmm. smashed to yeah. little bits in a compactor. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. like when, like the new kind of compactor that have teeth, right? And, like yeah. destroy yeah, like- anything, and it looks awesome. Like that's a cool horror moment. Like I- I'm not yeah. even gonna act like it's not. That was cool, right? But like, how do you- I? I'm not saying good or bad. Yeah. Okay, it, uh, but they've said it's not the last Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. The producers are like very big on like this is not the last one, right? Sure, yeah. Like how the I'll fuck are you it. gonna do this shit? 
Yeah. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's going to, I mean, I, I think it's the, you know, the, the message is that this is the last in this line. I don't know what they're going to do after this, but uh, they're not going to resurrect this Michael. This is, this is going to have to be, if we, when we go back to whatever, and it's inevitable, like you, you watch these movies and you're like, yeah, the killer's dead. And it's like, you know, there's going to be some sort of rationale or justification because this is just what they do. Yeah. So it's it's going to have to be something. It's going to be something different. It's not. And it's almost certainly not going to be David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. And Jamie Lee Curtis has gone on record and saying she's done finally. Um, so, you know, I don't know, but I I did think that was really cool. I thought that was a, a great way to end it, and it, it was no, you know, there there was no, you know, and getting back to my you know my earlier thoughts on on what this was about was that, you know, it, it was very simple the way you know the their their last showdown was short simple and brutal it wasn't as drawn out as like i said as you know halloween h2o which was by the way was another very cool ending you know to to michael myers that they completely ruined um in the next movie <laughs> but yeah you know the if you if you kind of compare those two you know when she the again very stupid circumstances leading up to this the predicament they ended up in which was michael pinned between a van and a tree yeah. And, you know, Laurie decapitates him with an axe like that was badass. And, you know, it was ridiculous the way that they set it up. You know, it was it was very awkward and bulky here. It was it felt more natural anyway, the the fight in, in the resolution to it. <clears throat> and the, you know, the, the way that she just more casually, um, you know, basically slid his wrist at the end. You know, she you know, she stabbed him. Which and stabbed was cool. Him. Yeah, yeah, it was it was very cool, and it was and it was also the the thing that, um, it, and it's funny because there was a thing that, um, I have been told for years. My my stepdad actually always used to talk about this. Like when people try to commit suicide by cutting their wrist, they cut you know kind of just across their wrist, yeah. and he said nobody ever commits suicide that way successfully because you know, the, your wound can close up. And, you know, and, and he always was like, they say, you know, like if you cut across, if you cut down along the vein, it can't close. And that's how you bleed out. And that's very much how, how she always did it or how I she did just, it. I whispered state. that to my wife when we saw it, I was like, Oh yeah. no, she went down the road. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the down the road rather than cross the road. Like that was what yes. people used to say when I was growing up. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was like yeah. the down the road. Yeah. as as gruesome and, and, and uncomfortable as that is, you know, that's like a, yeah, you know, that, that was a, a thing that I really was like, that's, I mean, you know, I was like, wow, that's kind of cool that they yeah. actually went to that sort of trouble. But part um, of me just wishes like, I don't know, but it's like, I really, this is what I was saying at the beginning with yeah. the things I thought were pros to the movie, yeah. the positives where it's like, I just, it's like that scene in and of itself is cool, but I'm like, dude. And, and I understand we're not taking this as canon, Sure, but it's like in Halloween too. Don't they shoot him in both eyes and like set him on fire or something? Yes. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> he comes an back. Yeah, and and it's like uh, and it's like, but this is how they portray him kind of throughout all of these a bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just like he's just, like because in two they fucking like cut his throat or something. Like I don't know, he's like bleeding like crazy, and he just like murders everyone. Yeah, and it's like, dude, this guy is like unkillable. Like he's that yeah. thing. And then like they like slit his wrist and like knife his hands to the table yeah. it's like this is all cool yeah but i just have a hard time buying it in context <laughs> you know and like that's that's what sucks because i actually thought this was like 
a fun experience, albeit a little frustrating, especially afterwards when I was thinking about it a bit more. Yeah. Mostly in preparation for this. Uh But like my wife was just like, you know, what'd you think of that? When we got in the car and I was like, you know, I don't know yet. That was my response (laughs) where I was just like, I just don't know how to feel about it because I want to like praise certain aspects of it. Yeah. But much like you were talking about with Hellraiser, where like there were just some things that just made it not great. And then the other things just didn't make up for it. Yeah. That was kind of like how I felt about this, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is where I was, where it's like, there are these cool scenes, but I just, they're essentially for me, they feel like a glorified YouTube video because they don't have any context. That's worth shit for me. Yeah, you know what I mean, and it sucks because I liked Halloween Kills. We talked about that movie last year. Like yeah, I had a good time with it. I didn't like love it, but I was like, man, this is a cool movie. Like I'd watch this again. It's mm-hmm. brutal, and there's some social commentary, and there's all this, and I can actually buy into that one. It's yeah. a fucking Corey guy, and he did a great job. I thought he was a good actor. Like yeah, the whole yeah. performance was done well. I just can't get past that shit, man. I gotta ask you a couple other questions though, okay. uh, related to David Gordon Green. Okay. Um and and we're done with spoilers now. So in the in the in the uh whatever, oh. description or whatever, you yeah. know, I'm going to make this a thing. So don't ruin it, Joe. All right. So anyways, next year David Gordon Green's supposed to be releasing a remake of The Exorcist. I How do you feel about that? that? Yeah. That's that's I mean uh, uh, this is that's another franchise that I don't know has been I mean it's got a lot of bad sequels to it um i i actually enjoy the exorcist part three i feel like it's it's pretty underrated it's a mess in a lot of ways but there's a a lot of really good things dude there's a scene and we've talked about it i think maybe on here there's a scene in the hot in a hospital in that movie that is just terrifying to me still to this day um but that original movie is still is pretty sacrosanct as far as yeah i think i think the my understanding is he's doing the same th- and I could be wrong, everybody. So take with a grain of salt. Don't quote me on this, but uh, I think he's doing the same thing he did with Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know if it's a remake or if it's a continuation. It says a sequel to the 1973 oh. film about a 12 year old girl, blah, blah, blah. So I think he's doing the Halloween treatment okay, to this so, as well, which yeah. makes me go the fuck. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm yeah, interested. I don't because he yeah. has a cool style, but it's like, man, are you going to do, is there going to be a Corey in this fucking movie? Because yeah. I'm going to be pissed. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't really, I can't really speak too much to, I, I don't know if, if, if that's what he's doing, then I, I would, I'd probably roll my eyes at it like I did with, you know, with the 2018 Halloween. But we're going to see it. But Yeah, you know but we're going to see it. I'm going to go watch it and, you know, I'll, I'll let you know what I think about it after I see it. Yeah. I got to say this, too. We have nothing to talk about with this, uh-huh. but it's been announced that David Gordon Green's doing a Hellraiser TV series, which is also really funny that we just had a Hellraiser movie. Yeah. Um, it's uh, based on the Clive Barker one, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested in seeing that as well. If 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 it's yeah. something on like Hulu or Netflix or something where he can just like run wild that again, that that can be a blessing and a curse, uh, yeah. depending on who you're talking about. But uh just some interesting stuff there. But anyways, Joe, thank you so much for talking about these movies, man. Uh, I was like actually really excited to talk about them and thought I would talk about Hellraiser more, but we clearly 
mm-hmm. uh, had way more to say about Halloween ends here. Yeah. And I think there is more to say about it. So I, oh, despite my indifference about the movie and uh, largely negative, but I can't, I can't deny that I had a decent, exp- like good experience watching it. Sure, so yeah. I, ha- I have to give it its credit. Um, but I encourage people to check it out, um, regardless of my feelings, if you're a fan. And also check out Evan Dossie's Midwest Film Journal uh, mm-hmm. article. It's it's a really good article. I don't care if I don't agree with his points. Like, mm-hmm. it's a good article. You yeah, should he, yeah. definitely go check that out for sure. He's doing a lot of great stuff. And he he actually, he actually um, his wife just had their second child. And his wife is a, is a pretty damn good critic in her own right. Um, and they, um, yeah, they just had their second child and they just moved and, you know, and he's just turning out content, the very good content. So, yeah, um, yeah monster, uh, that guy. Very cool. Yeah. Shout out to Evan Dossie. All right. Anyways, Joe, let's get out of here, man. All it's right. getting late. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> oh, Joe. Uh, it's always fun talking with Joe. I always love having him on. It's been, it's, it was a long time before episode 100 since he's been on. So it was nice to have him on then. It's nice to have him on this week. Uh, again, because I'll be out of town, he's not going to be on next week. And uh, unfortunately, well, I, fortunately, we had a cool interview last week. But I mean, <laughs> uh, but he wasn't able to be on then. But uh, he'll be on more in doing our 2022 kind of film cram at the end of this uh, basically during November, December, and part of January. So uh, leading up to our best of 2022, and to be honest, so far, it's been kind of a weak year based on the things that I have seen. And I fully admit, and I'm transparent about, uh, there's still a lot I need to see. And of course, there's some things that haven't been available yet, like uh, Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. I have like high hopes for that movie. It seems great. So I'm actually looking forward to getting to the 2022 cram, which is kind of a rarity because uh, it's not something that I necessarily look forward. To. I feel like actually it's not true. I feel like I always look forward to the 2022 cram until I'm in it. And then eventually it starts off fun and then eventually it turns into the obligation, you know, and I'm such a completist that I can't just start watching a movie. And, you know, a lot of times the 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 um, what's the word? The cram, when it starts to feel like an obligation, it starts to become like, all right, cool, I got to find my top 10. Like, that's really what I'm aiming for. And if it's not good enough to be in my top 10, you just want to shut it off. And I can't do that. That's the problem. Um, So I I really have to stick with it. But anyways, we're going to be doing that in November and uh, December. Hopefully, again, I'll be able to get an episode out for next week. If not, maybe I'll do a double episode. I have no idea for the following week. We shall see. But until then... I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Good luck. And take it easy. Mm-hmm.